0: This is Hadasa for Deborah's Court. It's a delight to welcome you back to this episode of Book by Book Bible Study. Well, the Book of Acts. Today we'll look at chapter 16, and I'm thrilled to see what God has in stock for us. Dear Father, we are grateful for another opportunity to look into Your Word. We ask that as we read, as we hear, we'll learn, we'll grow, we'll see what You have in stock for us. We will be courageous enough to go out and do and walk in obedience and become the children, the people that you want us to become in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter sixteen opens by this um describing Paul's second missionary journey. At the end of chapter fifteen we see how he and Barnabas parted because Barnabas wanted to take John Mark and Paul did not want to work with someone that had abandoned them midway before. So, Barnabas went to John Mark and Paul went to Silas. Acts chapter six, 16 from verse 1. Paul f- went first to Derb and then to Lystra where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well taught of the believers in lystra and iconium so paul wanted him to join them on their journey in deference to the jews of the area he arranged for timothy to be circumcised before they left for everyone knew that his father was a greek then they went from town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in jerusalem so the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day i still think about this part scriptures like randomly like they are just argued for if you I mean you can go back to chapter 15 and see how hot the argument was you know saying believers don't have to be circumcised to be saved and all of that Paul went all the way back to Jerusalem with Barnabas to bring it up with the Apostles in Jerusalem and they came back to Antioch with letters and to other elders right two of the church leaders to explain this thing and say circumcision is not compulsory but here we see paul starting out the second missionary journey and he starts off by circumcising somebody so that people would not take offense if i'm being honest i don't know what to make of that because personally i would say since we have reached an agreement and this is the agreement i'm going to work by the agreement and not care but knowing what i know i mean i'm saying this as somebody who has read the entire new testament several times over knowing what i know about um, timothy and how he eventually came on to lead a church in paul's absence maybe it was easier for Timothy it was less about right and wrong and it was just easier for Timothy you know having been circumcised maybe it was easier for him when he was eventually leading and managing the church where he was um, appointed an elder but let's keep reading verse 6 next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galicia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from teaching from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time then coming to the borders of Mycia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia but again the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there so instead they went on through Mysia to the seaports show us that night paul had a vision a man from macedonia in northern greece was standing there pleading with him come over to macedonia and help us so we decided to leave for macedonia at once having concluded that god was calling us to preach the good news there and you know one thing that i would say is that God leads us in many different ways. If you grew up um, in a community that was big on Old Testament approach to things, then you've probably heard a lot about God's audible voice. And you know, God's voice booming like thunder, God's voice sounding, you know, people hearing God's voice and falling on their face in terror. And, it's tempting to be looking up for that and waiting for that to come so you know God is speaking but like Elijah quickly learned God's voice is not always loud and audible and there's always invisible signs and I'm not saying this to mean that God doesn't lead us through visible signs and things happening in our environment he does but that's not the only way he's not always coming with a big bang Sometimes is in the still small voice. Sometimes it's in the quiet witness in our spirits. In fact, as a believer, you're a lot more likely to be led by the quiet witness of the spirit within than by any other earth-shaking phenomenon. And sometimes, it's not all the time, you know, we get paragraphs. Sometimes you're doing something and God is like, hey, can I have your attention? And, you know, you grab something to write and you're writing and you're writing until you write 17 pages. And sometimes God speaks to us like that and he gets very granular and specific with the instructions. And I believe he does that when what you're about to come up against is very strong. And he needs you to be super, super sure about what he's saying to you, right? But it's not all the time that we get that. Scripture tells us that when the Lord walks with us, is behind us and so we can hear in our spirits turn right turn left this is the way we walk in it I par- the passage I just paraphrased in Psalms but the essence of it is to say that if you have God's spirit in you you just need to keep moving if you keep moving it will course correct you so if you keep moving and you're going straight the 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 basic thing one thing my pastor often says is default to the last instructions so if it says do x you keep doing x until it tells you to add y to remove y or to stop x and go and do something else right so if we keep waiting for some large phenomenal sign we can miss god's leading Look at um, they look at the, this team here, they knew they were supposed to spread the gospel, so instead what did they do? They kept trying different ways and when the Holy Spirit says no, they turn around and they try something else. When he says no, they turn around and they try something else until they got a clear instruction. So sometimes God leads you with a yes. You ask him something and he says yes. Sometimes he leads you with a no you ask him something or you try something and he says nope drop it I'm not there I'm not sending you there and that's not of my plan for you at this time sometimes it leads you with silence because in silence you know that um, sometimes in the silence you know you're not supposed to be where you are you know it's there it's there in your inner weakness and sometimes the silence is more like a comfortable silence where there is peace and you know that okay I'm on the right track I just need to keep moving so there is no cut and dried manual. There is no copy and paste answer. There is no template. You need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit so often that you can tell His voice at any time. It takes time to learn that. It's not um, automatic, but you can learn to listen. And also, you know, it's important to not get fixated on a particular way see Paul for example the first time he was called God spoke through a prophet in the meeting and said separate to me Paul and Barnabas right the next time they were going to go somebody had an inner witness and spoke to the other the next time they were going to go they could not They always Spirit kept preventing them until the, they had a vivid vision so if we stay fixated on a particular way or method And keep saying this is how God speaks to me you will miss a lot of things and what is worse is that the devil can even capitalize on it and use it to mislead you so lean into the person of the Holy Spirit and flourish in fellowship rather than getting fixated on a particular method and then don't get stuck because of close-ended questions if you are the kind of person that keeps asking should I go to Busi or should I go to Guarempa what if god wanted you to go to maraba i don't know then you know your answer and then you start wondering whether god has abandoned you but so yeah it's not about giving god options of course we should ask questions but when it comes down to it default to the last known instruction if the last known instruction is no longer applicable default to god's word to you what has god said what's in his word what is He saying and then listen lean into the Holy Spirit yeah follow his word follow the last instruction and ge- keep going until he stops re- redirects you okay back to scripture where are we where okay verse 11 we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across the island of Samothrace and the next day we landed at Neapolis from there we reached Philippi a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak with some of the women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple clothes who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guests if you agree that i'm a true believer in the lord she said come and stay at my home and she urged us until we agreed now this particular section always has me excited they had been trying to go into asia and they could not verse 6 literally says Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galicia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from teaching, the, preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. Yes, when they went to Macedonia that God told them to go to, they met someone from Tartara. Tartara is in Asia. They met someone from Tartara and preached the word to her there. She was going to take the word back into Asia and so they went to Macedonia but ended up starting the first church in Asia. Isn't God wonderful? So sometimes we get so fixated on outcomes that we miss out on instruction. And sometimes we get so fixated on instruction that the outcome does not make sense. But in the end it's God that works behind the scenes to will and to do. He's the master controller. He has he has his eye on all the minute little details and how they interact and so it's better to just leave it to him leave things to him let him sort it out let him fix it up let him organize things the way he needs them to be organized right instead of trying to control the little details because he always does a better job that's why he's good and not to yeah and then um you see how you see how Um, Lydia, the moment she got converted, she opened up a household and she was like, oh, let me host you people. And even though sometimes we miss it, I just thought I should remind you, when we have, we give. We give to our people, we give to the body. It's all well and good and it's nothing to be ashamed of. I know some of us, um, some of us struggle, we give in because we probably grew up in environments where giving was a manipulative thing and for some of us, we struggle with receiving because you grew up in an environment where if somebody gave you something, they expected to control you and I just wanted to say that just because some people take advantage of giving whether as the, whether as the giver or as the recipient just because some people take advantage of giving to uh, hurt others and just create problems, does not mean the problem is with giving. When God gives resources to the body, it doesn't—it doesn't always give it to every single person. A lot of times, He gives one resource to one person at least per time, and trusts that we will love one another enough to share so it's nothing to be ashamed of if you are the one receiving right now and it's nothing to be proud or pompous about if you are the one giving right now times change seasons roll around and even if it doesn't you are like a pipe there's nothing you have that god did not give to you even if you're going to say oh you earned it through your talent or your skills or your strengths or whatever He gave you those talents, skills, and strengths, and the opportunity to leverage it into whatever resources you have, whether it's financial, or time, or energy, or connections, or relationships, or whatever. So we grow as a body because we give to one another, because we share. It doesn't define our individual worth. And it's really nothing to brag about. I mean, giving was not even supposed to be something that you publicize. Jesus' instruction on giving was to not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's supposed to be between you, the person you're giving, and God. So if you struggle around giving, and sometimes, yes, God will place what looks like an almost unreasonable demand on your time, on your resources, on your. On your on on the things that you have, and it's wild. And I think it's one of the reasons why he says your giving should be private. Sometimes he hands you something and it's not for you. If you are in, if you in tune in fellowship with the you will know. He will give you something and you will know it's not for you, so somebody else you will know it's not for you, for somebody else and it takes being a diligent faithful trustworthy steward of god to be able to pass on those resources doesn't make you bigger than them no god gave it to you so you could give it to them and sometimes you need something and you would know that that thing is not coming directly to you god is sending it through another person it doesn't make you less to be the receiver and of course we should always you know aim for personal responsibility maximizing and leveraging our gifts, being faithful stewards of the talents that have been placed in our hands and all of that but sometimes what you need is not hanging anywhere in the air it's in somebody's hands so we receive graciously with thanksgiving knowing fully well that ultimately god is a source the resource just came through a man and we are courteous and we are gracious about it but we do not feel inferior because we had to receive and we do not feel superior because we had to give it's an opportunity to give it's a blessing to receive and i know that as long as you're working walking growing in god you will find yourself on both sides at some point or the other in your life so it's really not a big deal we're good great let's get back into it verse 16. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly it left her. So just to put this in proper context, if you, especially if you read other versions, you will see that she was following them and shouting, which meant that they couldn't preach because nobody could hear them. So even though it looked as if, oh, the demons are acknowledging Jesus, they were actually hindering the work I just wanted to um, reiterate that so from verse 19 a master's hopes of wealth were now shattered so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace the whole city was is in an uproar because of those Jews they shouted to the city officials they are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to so practice a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clapped, clamped their feet in the stocks. I'm going to pause again to just say mob action was so common in their day. I'm Personally, I'm glad I didn't live in that generation because... Any little thing there's a riot, any little thing they have instigated mob action, any little thing, little hopes of rationality and all of that. I mean, these days we get, we get to do a fair discussion. It's largely illegal to just grab somebody and beat them or burn them or stone them or whatever, but then it must have been dangerous to be a believer in Jesus. Just saying, where were we <laughs> Uh, Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword. To kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and filled them, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his house. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God the next morning the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer let those men go so the jailer told paul the city officials have said you and silas are free to leave, go in peace but paul replied they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison and we're roman citizens so now they want to set us now they want us to leave secretly certainly not Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There, they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. Oh wow, what a story. (laughs) Uh, um a few things. Number one, sometimes it's your preaching that drives them to Christ. Sometimes it's your conduct, sometimes is the Holy Spirit convicting them, or maybe a major sudden act or happening. But either way, you must be ready to lead people through that final step of believing in Jesus. So for example, if you go through the book of Acts, you would see different examples of you know maybe somebody being healed a miracle happening like this case where there was an earthquake and the jailer was so stunned by the fact that that earthquake set everyone free but no one left so sometimes it's not just you know a lot of times when we talk about spreading the gospel we have this image of walking up to somebody and preaching to them which is great but also it's not always like that Sometimes some people just watch you and they fall in love with the way you live your life and they know that there's something more and they come to you and they ask what's your deal? Sometimes it's a major occurrence that make, leaves everybody shaking like say somebody narrowly really, um, survived a plane crash or, or an incident happened and they almost died and you know it just makes them it brings them face to face with death and they're like Okay, I can't do it like this. And they're asking for help. See this jailer that heard so much. I mean, it must have heard the gist in town now. The, 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 the girl that was falling Paula Silas up and down, proclaiming who they were, obviously wasn't missing words. Right? But even with that, everything he had heard and seen, he still needed to ask, what must I do to be saved? So if you come face to face with somebody who needs that, you need to be able to answer. Like them accepting that they are sinners, them believing that Jesus is God's son and died for their sins, them confessing Jesus as their Lord and Savior that sequence leading them through that step and helping them you know just make the cross it often falls to us that's the whole point of being god's witness here on earth right and then we see if some other few things if if you have ever doubted that paul is a hot-headed troublemaker apostle paul is a hot-headed troublemaker because he just had to make the authorities see that last last it was He was right i mean i was right i said so right and just in case you are tempted to look at um a spiritual leader as someone perfect up there i just like want to draw your attention to it that even the paul that jesus looked at and arrested Right, and took him through so much to refine, reform him, and prepare him for ministry. Even Paul was a man before he was of God. So, when you're interacting with men of God, remember that they often have very deep, committed relationships with God, they have oftentimes spent um, longer in fellowship and so they have a clear view of certain things they maybe they have you know a strong reliable walk with god right and so maybe they know a lot of things that they can teach you about god and walking with god but they are still human beings they're still liable to make mistakes. Sometimes their personality sh- shines through. Sometimes it's their mindset. Sometimes it's their belief system. Sometimes it's the limitation of their own exposure. And it does not negate the message they carry. So when you interact with a spiritual leader or a man of God, or a person of God, a woman of God, whatever context it is, it's important to focus on the message and less on the man. As a person, you strive towards walking in obedience and becoming more like Christ. But when interacting with other Christians, focus more on the message. Otherwise, you will start to see Christ through the lens of their behavior. And that can cause you to stumble. So as a believer, it's important to keep this distinction in mind even as you walk through life. And that's it for Acts chapter 16. I'll see you in the next episode. You have a beautiful day.